1: Or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services.
3: The biggest football games of the season are coming, and BetRivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, try a multi-game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combo. Combine player props, game bets, and even different same game parlays into one multi-game parlay. Make your parlay today at BetRivers. Download the BetRivers app or go to betrivers.com to place your bet.
2: This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by BetRivers.
3: It's Holden with VEASAN. It is the Denver City Cast presented by BetRivers and the Broncos playoff hopes. One in a thousand. Might as well be one in a million. It is over after yesterday's loss in Vegas to the Raiders. Listen, under eight and a half wins, that bet looks really good now if you took that bet. If you bet the over at any point in time, that's a loser. They're not beating the Chargers and the Chiefs. It's just not happening. Even if the Chiefs rest Mahomes for a half, do we really think that the Broncos have enough to beat the Chiefs. I don't think so, but hey, whatever. Denver now seven and a half is the win total. If you want to bet it under, if they don't win these last two games, one of the last two, it's minus 120. That's actually not a bad number. Even money to the over. I I don't want to count them out against the Chargers coming up. I don't want to count them in against the Chiefs though. Something we could discuss later in the week, but this was an absolutely abhorrent loss yesterday. And there's a lot to get to. I'm going to break that down. Went one-on-one one on our bets. So we got to talk about that too. Uh, Fangio doesn't think everything's over. It really is. Wes Reynolds from VEASAN, to recap uh, the NFL number week 16, he's going to join us. And then we've got to look back at the bets or at the lines, the closing lines, if we can learn anything about player props or sides and the AFC West report, as there could be a huge Raiders-Chargers game looming okay what a bad loss so fangio has now been swept by the raiders he is now 1 and 10 1 and 10 in his almost 3 years as head coach here against the chiefs and the raiders they got swept by a team that has a coordinator as a head coach just like the broncos do vic fangio nothing more than a really good defensive coordinator and there's no way that you could tell me that the Raiders have more talent than the Broncos. It's just not true, especially if they don't have Henry Ruggs, you know, one of their most explosive players offensively. Um, this team just is not as talented on either side of the ball as the Broncos, and they lost to him again. It's it's unacceptable. And here's Vic Fangio after the game. What does he say? He goes, uh, "I don't view it as the season being over or anything like that." And I guess the coach has to say that because you have two more games, and if these guys are professionals you're going to go in and you're going to try to win these games and you're going to give it hundred percent. You know, the coach has to say that, but I view it as the season being over a new head coach after the season, hopefully a new starting quarterback after the season, a little bit of an addition to the offensive line, maybe, you know, get healthy on that defensive side of the ball and you go from there, but it is over and it has a lot to do with Vic Fangio. I mean, it's, it, it does Now, Shermer, too. Shermer's a disaster as the offensive coordinator. And let me also say this, though. If there was, like, an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson here, Vic Fangio would – I don't know if we'd call him a good coach, but quarterbacks, good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks can often gloss over the issues that a head coach has. Can't do that with Fangio. You just can't. Uh, You can't do that with Shermer, who was an absolute disaster as a head coach with the Giants. And is now an absolute disaster as the offensive coordinator with the Broncos. So, let me give you some notes here. Nick Kosmider with The Athletic. Some good stuff. 25th in offensive EPA over the last two seasons for the Broncos. That means they're one of the five to seven worst teams offensively. We'll we'll just put it there. Uh, Four teams have scored fewer points than Denver in the last 31 games. Four! 621 points in the last 31 games. Four teams, worse. Denver, 22nd or worse in third down conversions. Again, red zone touchdown rate, 22nd or worse. No explosive plays again. Explosive play percentage, garbage. I mean, you run for 18 yards, 1.1 yards per carry, and they only threw it 22 times. They just didn't have the ball. They didn't get the job done on third down. We'll get into that in just a minute. Everything was bad. And the problem with yesterday was Drew Locke was under center. And I'm not saying they win that game with Teddy Bridgewater, okay? I'm not. It's not like the offense is amazing. And Locke kind of did what a lot of people wanted to see him do, just don't turn the ball over. He just didn't get the job done on third down. Um, And when you have Drew Locke under center, the opposing defensive coordinator knows you could just stack the box and try and stop the run and let Drew Locke beat you. And yesterday they scored a touchdown because Shelby Harris brought it down inside the one and they ran it in. That's the only offense they had. Now, Albert Okwue Bunam with a big drop. That one hurt uh down that right sideline. And it would have given the Broncos the lead, it would have given them some breathing room. And I think it would have changed the whole complexion of the game and maybe the season. But I'm not gonna draw, I'm not going to blame the loss on one play, the big catch that was dropped by Albert. Here's something else that was really frustrating. In-game betting. I did make a bet in game. I said Jerry Judy. He was at 60 receiving yards in the first half. Love Jerry Judy. He's facing his zone. Perfect type of defense for Jerry Judy to sit down, pick up some yards after the catch. Let's not bother with him running before the sticks, not getting a first down, but let's just go to Jerry Judy for a second. You've got a guy that is absolutely tearing up the Raiders. And if you watched the game, not even the all 22, just the game, you saw Judy was open in the second half too. They didn't throw it to him. No looks in the second half. Javante throwing to him out of the backfield no looks in the second half your two most explosive players didn't get any looks in the passing game i mean again and 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 drew lock for those of you that's if you saw yesterday's game and you think that drew lock is still a starting quarterback in this league i don't even know what to tell you anymore you're just living in your own fantasy land the guy is not good okay they, they kind of neutered him. They had to neuter him, so he didn't turn the ball over a ton. So they really didn't move the ball that well. They may have had one big play from Locke to Okwue Bunam, but it just didn't pan out. That offense was dead. And Fangio and Shermer are coaching their last two games here. And then it'll be the same old, same old. You know, hopefully... Uh, Peyton goes out and finds himself a real head coach and not just a coordinator like we saw with Vance Joseph. And the same thing ended up happening here with Vic Fangio. Offense can't get on track. Defense is playing well. Blah, 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 blah. Special teams. All this. It's it's the same damn thing year in and year out. And and back to Fangio. This is a guy that was out-schemed and out-coached by Rick Basaccia, who has no business being a head coach either. I think he's done a nice job kind of keeping that team afloat with all the distractions. Actually, he's done an above-average job, but as an in-game head coach, no. Nick Sirianni, who had no clue what he was doing with the Eagles for the first half of the season, and then just came in here, ran the ball, and Fangio had no answer for that offense with the Eagles. And then Zach Taylor last week. Listen, the defense did a great job on Joe Burrow, but we go back to it a lot of issues in that game, too. The Broncos are closer to the bottom feeders right now, and and I hate saying this, they are closer to the bottom feeders than they are to the mediocre teams when Locke is the QB. They are closer to mediocre when Bridgewater's in there. But that's what we're talking. Are they closer to the dregs of the league like the Texans? Are they closer to the average teams like the Chargers or maybe the Ravens? Not good. I think the big thing that killed Drew Locke in this offense yesterday, the biggest thing, and I don't even think it was close, one for 10 on third down. Raiders were six for 12 too. That's not good for this Broncos defense, but one for 10 on third down. How do you lose when you're plus three in turnover margin? You want to tell me that? How does a team lose plus three turnover margin? That almost never happens. If you win the turnover battle by three, boy, that's how bad the offense was. And they've lost three games to where they've held their opponents to 17 points or less. Was yesterday bad defensively? I think on a couple of different levels it was. On a couple of different levels it was because they keep just giving up these chunk plays on the ground from the 20 to the 20. And we saw yesterday, you know, Jacobs actually get the ball inside the 20 all the way down to the 5 and then Peyton Barber ran it in. Uh, One other thing to mention before we get to our bet review here, and again, Wes Reynolds is going to join us. Um, There have been countless, I would say. Yeah, there have been countless announcers, play-by-play guys, analysts, come and call the Broncos game, and they just call Albert Okwui Bunam Alberto. And I'm fine with that. Now, yesterday was interesting, though, because Tiki Barber, he gave us a new one. I mean, we've heard everything with, with Albert, right? They've called him uh, Okuwe Bale. That was Tiki yesterday, Okuwe Bale. They've called him Wale. They've called him Okwebunam. Let me put this up here, okay? Oak. That's how you start saying Albert's name. Albert oak woo A. Move this over. Boonam. okwu a Boonam. Albert, okwu a Boonam. That's how you say it. All you got to do is watch this when you call the Broncos game on Sunday and then the Broncos-Chiefs game. Very easy to say. You don't have to come in here and botch it. Type it out in phonetics. Watch this. Here you go. I'm going to put it back. Woo, everything's going the right way here. If you're podcasting, listen to this on a podcast. It's okay. What I'm doing is showing words. Oak, O-A-K. W-O-O, woo, the letter A, boonam, okay? Okwue ay boonam. Bet Review next. Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
2: Every day, BetRivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the BetRivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the BetRivers Sportsbook app or go to BetRivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
3: so here's what we're going to do now welcome back to the denver citycast presented by bet rivers we'll do the bet review from yesterday i went one and one uh we'll get to some of the player props that were posted maybe we can learn something from it i don't know how much we really take out of out of yesterday though uh although <laughs> we might want to start targeting some unders on these rushing props if the the same thing happens this week the good news is Is It's the Chargers, and you can run against the Chargers, but we'll get there in a second. Okay, Uh, I had the teaser. With the Titans winning on, what was that, Saturday or Thursday? I don't even remember what day that was. And then we had the Raiders plus seven and a half, so that cashed. Our teaser cashed. Uh, We also had Drew Locke under 203 and a half, but that didn't work out. If Akua Buna makes the catch down the right sideline and doesn't drop that ball, we do it. We win it. But it happened, and these are things that happen. I mean, it, it stinks losing bets stink, and these are the little things in a game that can win you a bet and lose you a bet. So one and one, um, and I guess that's down like a tenth of a unit. There, we had a decent week though this week, uh, two and one before this this day, so three and two, and up almost a unit on the week. Not a bad week. Uh, looking back at the pregame. Closing numbers for these props. Javante, seven carries, 12 yards. His uh, number was 60 and a half rushing yards. 60 and a half. And he fell uh, a lot short of that, right? What is that, like 49 yards short? And then he doesn't get a target in the second half? He got two catches for eight yards. They didn't even bother dumping it down to him. I, I don't understand that. 16 and a half receiving yards. That went under. Melvin Gordon. I mean, any rushing goes under, right? Melvin Gordon, 50 and a half yards. He got uh, minus four rushing yards on seven carries. That's not good. Boy, you don't see that too often. Uh, Drew Locke, under 203 and a half passing yards. Again, I liked it. I thought that they would have him throw a bit more than 22 times. Uh, Second half, they just decided that throwing the ball wasn't going to be the way to win the game. Uh, Just keep running into the uh, opposition defensive line, so... Didn't work out too well. On the other side of things, we had Hunter Renfro, who they did a really good job on. I mean, Renfro has been tearing it up. He went three for 40 in a touchdown. Renfro, he went under his catches at six and a half. He had three, 70 and a half yards. He went under at 40. Derek Carr, 250 passing yards. He went under at 201. And Josh Jacobs had one of his best games in the NFL. Blew up for 129 rushing yards. That that was the tough one. Just watching, watching him just tear this team up. And maybe that's something we go back to. If Eckler's playing next week or if Jackson is in there, figure out, you know, exactly how many yards we think the opposing running back's gonna get and then bet it over. They've been getting beaten up by that. So the playoff chances are slim to none. Almost nothing at this point. Um, In order to win, like everybody ahead of them has to lose. They have to win these last two games. And I don't know what would be more difficult. I really don't. Would it be winning the last two games with the Chargers and the Chiefs or everybody ahead of them losing? Uh, The win total, again, is sitting here at seven and a half. I mean, could they beat the Chargers? It's a coin flip. Do I want to bet on that? No, no. Uh, Under would be my lean, though, because Drew Locke is the quarterback. And as bad as the Chargers have been, and they actually lost to the Broncos, as bad as the Chargers have been, it's it's tough. It is really, really tough um, backing this team, the Broncos, right now. Okay, Wes Reynolds from VEASAN. Going to talk a little NFL, give us some thoughts on the Raiders-Broncos, go around the rest of the league, talk some playoff picture. I've got the AFC West report. And oh, before we leave, Peter King has a trade proposal, and it has to do with Aaron Rodgers and the Denver Broncos. And we will discuss that as well. But first, Wes Reynolds joins me on the Denver Citycast, presented by Bet Rivers.
2: Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
3: As promised, Wes Reynolds from Visa joining me here from uh, the South Point. And it's wonderful to see you, Wes. Thank you so much for the time. We got one more football game this week. Uh, It was a long weekend, man. It was a lot of football. It was awesome. How are you doing today?
0: I'm well, Holden. Good to be with you. How are you?
3: I am wonderful. Uh, there was a game in your backyard there with the Raiders and the Broncos that I'd like to discuss a little bit here. Uh, on the Broncos side, there's going to be a new head coach and there's got to be a new quarterback. Uh, they're out of it, basically. Then you look at the Raiders, somehow, someway, despite all that dysfunction, they're still in the mix here. Any surprises yesterday at what the Raiders were able to pull off against the Broncos?
0: You know, I thought it was reflected in the line, holding that it was pretty much a coin flip game. I was a little bit surprised to see how lopsided the stats were. 342 in terms of the yards for the Raiders, only 158 for the Broncos. And look, the Raiders weren't necessarily great in the game in their own right. Of course, they had the bad turnover at the end of the first half that Chubb almost uh, took to the house, and then they scored on the next play. So the momentum all went Denver's way. But the Raiders minus three in the turnover margin and still as dominant, I guess, of a four-point win as you can really get. And when I was when I look at Denver, and I know you were talking about the fact, hey, there's going to be a new coach, there's going to be a new quarterback. Of course, we know there's also going to be a new ownership group. And we don't know which ownership group Peyton Manning is going to be a part of. I think he's pretty much uh, being suited by, or courted, rather, by all of them. So he's going to be part of that. Now, how much say will he get? I, I think that that's his interest, that he wants to be part of an ownership group. Because if he wanted to coach or if he wanted to be in the booth, he would be in one of those two areas. So I think he wants to be a part of an ownership group. But how much control are they going to give him? Where do, I'm, I'm interested because you're right there in Denver. Where does this leave John Elway? I still think he wants to be a part of something. But I don't know if he's necessarily persona non grata and like Peyton Manning's kind of the new flavor of the month for these owners, but there's going to be a lot of changes in Denver, at least from the coaching standpoint, you would think at the quarterback standpoint. But this is not a team when you look at the roster holding that I think is all that far away. I think this has a very good young defense. They can always run the ball. They've always been able to run the ball in Denver, going all the way back to, you know, the 80s and 90s. And then when Alex Gibbs was the offensive line coach for Mike Shanahan, they always had that zone blocking scheme. So they can always run the ball. I just think, you know, you need, obviously, an upgrade at the quarterback position, and you need, I think, another wide receiver, another big play guy in the passing game. But I don't think that they're really all that far away.
3: No, we keep saying that. You know, I just wonder when the ownership thing is going down and if that's going to hold anything up. And to be honest with you, it doesn't seem like anything has been held up to this point. Peyton's the general manager, uh, obviously, here. Um, And then Peyton Manning, you talked about the ownership there. Who knows, you know, what what he's looking for when it comes to it. They definitely need an owner here. And that's why they haven't made the playoffs now. It's going to be six straight years. But it is an attractive job. And I'm glad you said that because I I think you look at the skill position players, you look defensively, they are. They're two things away. Unfortunately, Wes, it's the two most important things you (laughs) need, right? You need a head coach and a quarterback. But – it's a very, very nice place uh, to come here if you're a quarterback. And there, there was some talk. Hey, what if, what if Carr is available? Would he fit here? Oh boy. Um, so let me ask you this: You being in, in Vegas, what do you think of Carr? What, what is the talk there about Carr and this team being in a position to actually get to the playoffs, which is shocking? You know, when you
0: look at Derek Carr, it's kind of like he is what he is. He's not as bad. As people make him out to be. And he's not yet, he's just that level below like elite quarterback. I mean, he's not up there with the Rodgerses and the Bradys and the Mahomeses and the, those guys. But, you know, he is, he, he's better than obviously any option. That you have, but there are times when you look at Derek Carr and you see him make these just absolutely beautiful throws where it's like, okay, this is a top level quarterback in this league. And then there was what happened on the final play of the first half when, uh, you know, just an inexplicable decision. And it's on Carr and it's also on the play caller to say, okay, let's just go ahead and take a knee and be up one going into the half. Then he turns it over to Bradley Chubb. He almost uh, gets it in the end zone. Denver scores the next play. So it was like the momentum you would have thought totally shifted in that game, 13-7 at halftime. It's like how is Denver up even though the Raiders kind of are outplaying them by the numbers? And then second half it was one-way traffic for the Raiders, just uh, you know, seeing what they were able to do. And 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 I will give them credit. Because they have kept it together because every time, you know, every time you think they're out, they pull you back in here. Because they have been like DOA several times. They could have packed it in after obviously the uh, tragedy involving Henry Ruggs and the the, uh, automobile death of of a young lady. So they could have really packed it in, but Rich Bisaccia, who I don't believe is going to obviously be hired as the head coach, he's kept them together. And, you know, there, there's something to be said for that, that this team still goes out there when you least expect it, like on Thanksgiving. Everybody thought, okay, this team's going to get absolutely railroaded by the Cowboys. And they didn't. And, and they go there and win. And eight and seven. Now, the schedule's still tough. you got to go to Indianapolis this week. And Indianapolis arguably is one of the hottest teams in the NFL. If it wasn't for the Chiefs, they'd be the hottest team in the AFC. This was an 0 and 3 team that's now 9 and 6. And really, holding probably ought to be 12 and 0 ever since that because they blew three leads. They blew it on Monday Night Football at Baltimore, blew it to Tennessee, blew it against Tampa Bay about three weeks ago. So you've got a really hot Colts team. And then, of course, you have the Lightning coming in for the uh, season finale here at Allegiant Stadium on the ninth. But, you know, the Raiders, I still think, are going to need a, a little bit of help in terms of the playoffs. Right now, I believe they'd be in the nine seed because they lost head to head to the Chargers. And then Baltimore, somehow, someway, with this banged up team that has half the roster practically either out due to COVID, injury, or on injured reserve, still eight and seven. So, you know. I, I think the Raiders have made at least a nice, you know, accounting of themselves here. They're still a dark horse, and I still think a, a decent-sized underdog to make the playoffs, so.
3: Yeah, I, I would be surprised if they made the playoffs, to be perfectly honest with you, Wes. I'm just looking at teams, like, they've been outscored 387 to 316. That's not—you're not supposed to be 8-7 and seven when that happens. Mm-hmm. And they played a lot of bad teams— or maybe we just call them mediocre, Wes. Is that what we're going to call them? The Chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns. All these teams are within one game. And you said the Raiders are the one that just take you through the through the dryer here. You know, one week you're in, the next week you're out. Same thing here in Denver. Finally, the nail is in the coffin. But the mediocrity. They call it parody, right? I hate the word parody. But still, this I've never seen so much mediocrity in the NFL. We say it all the time, right? But... Any given week, these teams are just getting upset. Bad teams like the Texans are beating the Chargers, mediocre teams. This has been a wild season, and I wonder if I'm just getting caught up in it as to how mercurial it's been, or has this been going on for a long time? Because just to me, this seems like it's an outlier.
0: Well, and, and I think maybe it's it's reached best the last couple seasons, if you remember the team that won it all, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were a pretty pedestrian 7-5. and five. Then all of a sudden they got hot at the right time. We'll see if that's going to materialize for this particular season. But it's not just mediocrity or parity in the middle. I think it's kind of there in the top. There's not really one great team in this league. There's a a few good teams that you got to give them credit. Kansas City, who everybody wrote for dead earlier on this season, especially after that Buffalo game, and then that Titans game on the road. Where they only scored three points, it's like I saw so many tweets on social media holding. Where it's like the Chiefs are broken, the Chiefs are broken. Well, now they've won eight straight and they're eleven and four. And then you look at mm-hmm. who's the best record in the league. Green Bay is twelve and three. Green Bay is a very, is a good team. I don't think that they're a great team. Like when I compared these teams to like the Patriot teams in the mid two thousands, or even the Colts teams in the mid two thousands. I don't think these teams are as good as those teams were. I mean, those teams, you know, they were just on on a different level. So you've got, I think, some mediocrity here at the top. I don't want to call it mediocrity. It's kind of like the Hall of Very Good, you know, when they have Hall of Fame debates. I think we've got a lot of Hall of Very Good teams at the top with, like, Green Bay and Dallas and Kansas City and the Rams. But they're also not teams without flaws at this standpoint.
3: Can we find some nice value then, even at this point in time of the season for Super Bowl champ? I'm just looking over here at Bent Rivers. Chiefs 4-1, to Packers plus 450, Bucks 650, Bills 850, Rams 9-1, to 10-1 for the Cowboys. I mean, is there one team that you're kind of leaning toward or maybe a strategy of taking t- maybe two teams at this point? or is it just too late to get in? Well, the
0: team I took over the summer was the Rams at 15 to 1 and I'm going to sit on it because look, they're right there at 11 and 4 and now they're leading their division, they'd be the number 3 seed in the NFC, but if you watch the Rams, they always kind of leave you wanting more. And, you know, like like yesterday, the the the, uh, the Rams get a win over the Minnesota Vikings, a game they pretty much led wire to wire, but you saw it Matthew Stafford had three interceptions yesterday, and that's what the, that's what the I think, lukewarmness, I'll make up a word here, is on backing the Rams because like it's it. like, well, Matthew Stafford's never gotten it done in this situation. Now, he's with the best team he's arguably ever been with. I mean, these this Rams team is much better than the Lions teams that he had to try to carry over the finish line. But when he gives you three interceptions like that, and they were really terrible throws – you know, just trying to make a play that wasn't there and forcing it. That's what worries you a little bit about this team. And that's why I think people are so slow to get in on them. So if I'm looking down the board and I'm trying to kind of dodge the chalk, whether it's Kansas city or whether it's Green Bay or whether it's Tampa and looked at Tampa team all of a sudden very much banged up, especially on offense. So if you want to look a little bit down the board, I think the Cowboys, after what they did last night with the 42 points in the first half, most in franchise history, you're going to see a lot of people back the Cowboys. I think from the, from this standpoint, they're going to be like, oh man, nobody's going to beat this team. Now, keep in mind, they played a team that I thought was overvalued pretty much all season. They made a nice little run, but the Washington football team finally goes under that season win total which was good for me so you know that's the thing about Dallas too when Dallas gives you a performance like that all the mainstream media all the big networks get aboard Dallas because you know Dallas is always a story even when they're irrelevant even when they're mid-pack in the league or even below mid-pack so Dallas is somebody that's going to get support I still think there's a little bit of value in the Colts there Uh, now Darius Leonard their defensive leader is going to miss next week like he missed yesterday, or on Saturday, rather, against Arizona because he does not have the vaccination. So he's got to miss two games. So that's something to keep in mind. But I think the Colts going out there to Arizona, and this was one where I thought they were going to stub their toe. I thought, you know, winning without essentially four starting offensive linemen for most of the game and your leader on defense shows that maybe this team is very much for real in Indianapolis.
3: Uh, they got a hell of a coach. They got a nice defense. They got a great running back. <clears throat> Excuse me. They got a great running back uh, allergy season here because it's been hot in Denver. It's very odd, <laughs> West. Odd weather here, man. It was warmer here than it was in Vegas a couple of days ago. I kid you not. Um, so uh, that's an interesting point to bring up. The, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I didn't tell you about this before because it just popped into my head again. I'm a big player props guy. I have not been betting player props on the open like I usually do because of this mess with COVID. I mean, this has just thrown a wrench into everything, right? I mean, look at all the play. Like if you get in on a line early in the week, by the end of the week, it could be six points the other direction. So I just want to know from you personally, uh, how has this uncertainty this season, I mean, I know it goes back to last year, but really this year, how has it, how has it impacted you and how have you had to adjust while you're betting The NFL during the week because for me I'll just tell you everything's been pushed back closer to game time
0: well it really has been the last couple weeks actually the season you know seeming seemingly it was going along relatively swimmingly uh that being obviously a relative term but you know that's what that's what you had to look at because usually you find a couple spots early in the week where it's like okay I can play this situation you know, where you want to play against a team or fade a team off a big win or off a faulty final score where they got totally outplayed in the box score but had some luck go their way, whether it's turnovers or another team's poor special teams kicking game, what have you. So, yeah, I have been having to wait a little bit. I haven't been playing as much NFL sides or totals really early in the week. Uh, you know, you look and, – and that's why teasers, I think, really come into play because – Right now, it is harder to, I think, find sides and totals because we're about to start week 17 uh, this week. And you look at it, Holden... This is where the lines get as tight as they can possibly get, and there's a lot less variance. So you're betting into some very sharp numbers at this standpoint where you're just not going to see as much movement unless it's COVID or unless it's injury-related. You know, the power ratings and the numbers kind of are what they are at this standpoint. So that's why everything is timing, and sometimes you're going to get the best of the timing. Like, for instance, tonight – if you bet the Miami Dolphins at, at when they were plus three against New Orleans, then you got the good of the number. Now, if you're laying three and a half, you don't want to do that. I mean, you're laying almost a touchdown worse than a number. I know it's Ian Book getting the start for New Orleans, but you don't want to get in the habit of that. I mean, you still want to get that closing line value, even though closing line value does not necessarily guarantee a victory. For instance, if you were able to take the Arizona Cardinals when the Colts went to favorite at plus one – you know, that was still a good bet, even though it didn't win because they closed three and even three and a half in some markets. So you want to beat those numbers that doesn't guarantee you're going to win. But more often than not, if you're looking in a long-term sense, if you're looking over the course of a year or you're looking at the course of three years or five years or 10 years, you beat that closing number, you're going to cash more tickets than you lose.
3: I mean, here I am. We're taping this thing maybe six hours before game time tonight. And I'll tell you right now, uh, I have not placed a bet on Monday Night Football yet. I, I'm not so sure I will on the side. I do love live betting, which is something that at least I can fall back on that. But I'm really digging into player props right now. And that's what we have to do. And then you just hold your breath and hope that nobody is ruled out before the end of the night. So, And that's I think and, it, and to your point,
0: Holden, on player props. And look, I still have some maturing to do in that market because I don't really have a chance. It's kind of more of a time equity thing where I don't have as much of a chance at player props, but that's a market that I think maybe newer bettors that are just getting involved that haven't been doing this a long time, haven't done like the traditional betting that they're kind of getting involved with, but that's maybe where you can find a little bit of the value because the numbers are so tight. And, you know, player props are not necessarily universally off. I mean, certain shops like Bet Rivers are going to offer those and they're going to be a little more player prop heavy because you have a lot of newer and younger and less experienced bettors and they're discovering this right away. Look, I'd always bet the traditional way size, totals, teasers, what have you. Uh, And I never got involved in player props. And I feel like I'm the dinosaur that's kind of late to the party. But that's probably a way to get involved if you cannot find a side or a total and the numbers are too tight. I just you don't want to necessarily force it this late in the season. And you also, when you're handicapping, you want to take into account that everything is priced into the number if you know it. They know it behind the counter. So when we look at these playoff scenarios like, oh, this team's got to win to clinch this spot or this team's got to win to stay alive and they need this other team to lose. All these scenarios are priced into the market. So narrowing it down to player props isn't always necessarily a bad idea because I just got to have one player hit this number. I don't have to worry about everybody else.
3: Yeah, you're right. And then you can bet sides and totals live. There's, it's just so much different than it was... You know, here in Denver, so much different than it was two years ago because you couldn't sit here at home and bet from your phone and bet live player props and bet live signs and totals and things like that. It is absolutely fascinating. So before I let you go, Wes, and some great advice there too. Um, Monday Night Football, you got anything on this right now? I mean, as we sit here this afternoon, Saints plus three at home, 148 on the money line, 37.5 is the total. Boy, that total's low, but – Ian Book is starting a quarterback. What do you got here, if anything, Wes?
0: Yeah, and Miami in six of the last seven games has held their opponents to 17 or less. Now keep in mind, Miami, and that's what's making me, would make me certainly lukewarm not only taking a worse number, laying three with Vig or three and a half with Miami, keep in mind who they've beaten over this six-game winning streak after they were 1-7, and they're now 500. The only winning team they beat was the Baltimore Ravens. They've beaten the Jets twice, they've beaten the Giants they like they they've beaten some real low run teams during this run so i don't know how really good miami is i use them in the different contests out here and one of them they were plus 3 so it's like well i got that's too much number value for me not to take if it loses it loses but i'll always try to take six points better of the number pretty much every single time so at this stage holden as we're recording this i could only go with the new orleans saints because i think Ian Book, they're going to have, like, the same running packages you would think that they would have for Kasem Hill. Ian Book was a very underrated runner when he was at University of Notre Dame. And is the passing going to be better, though? That's what the key is. And I don't think that there's that much, really, of a drop-off. It's just the jitters, you know, this being his first NFL start, that's Mm -hmm. what your worry could get to him. But I think from a skill standpoint, there's not that much of a drop-off. So at this point... And I may wait, like you were mentioning earlier, for an in-game play. At this point, I would only be batting New Orleans at this number.
3: So, Wes, um, when do they find you on the Vison mothership, and how do they find you on the social media?
0: Where, wherever they schedule me, Holden, because I've been moving all around. I, I'm a nomad no that man. has no home. But regularly, I have been doing a, a Saturday from uh, 12 to 3 Pacific betting across America with your friend and mine, Dave Ross. And then we do the green zone on Sunday for the NFL, the seven hours of power, myself and Dave, uh, 10 Pacific to 5 Pacific. Uh, going through all the games, basically. You know, it's like the red zone, but with betting is what yeah. we kind of do with, with VSIN. So, all over the network. And then you can find me at Wes Reynolds, R E Y N O L D S, and the number one at the end of that.
3: Thank you so much for hopping on, Wes. I appreciate the time. That was great stuff.
0: You bet, Holden. Always a pleasure.
3: Wes Reynolds with VSIN. Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers continues. And I got some more things to talk about. Uh, concerning yesterday's bets, plus we'll get you the AFC West report here on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers.
2: Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem call
3: 1-800-522-4700. Time now for the AFC West report here on the Denver Citycast presented by Bet Rivers. And just before we get into this AFC West report, a couple of playoff things here. The Chiefs have already clinched the division. They're 11 and 4. Uh, if they win out they're guaranteed to win the AFC. Wow. I mean, what a comeback for them, right? Eight straight wins. Uh, You've got seven teams making the playoffs this season, so they add the extra team. The Ravens are seventh at eight and seven, but the Chargers are eight and seven, and the Raiders are eight and seven. So one of those two teams might be going to the playoffs. Uh, They do have basically an elimination game coming up in week number 18. So let's start with the Chargers, though. I mean, that was an absolute joke with them, too. I, I don't know how many Chargers fans there are out there, but if I was a Charger fan, I'd be throwing things at the wall, probably harder than the you Broncos fans, that you're throwing stuff at the wall because it's so frustrating year after year after year. But, boy, new coach, same results. They just lose these heartbreakers, and then they don't show up against really bad teams. I can't wait, though, for this Week 18 game between the Raiders and the Chargers. I'm serious. Like, I'd love for them to both tie and miss the playoffs. That'd be great. But unacceptable loss to the to the Texans for the Chargers. You can't lose. Even without Bosa and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. All right, the Chargers had 14 players out. You know how many players the Texans had out? 16. 1-6. Six, 16. They had two more players out. They had key players out, like Brandon Cook. So I'm not just picking on them here. It was bad. I mean, that was that was bad, uh, bad, bad loss. You can't blame it on the the COVID list or the injuries. Uh, a lot of Brandon Staley's aggressive decisions have ended poorly. I'm not saying that Brandon Staley's a bad head coach. Uh, I don't think we can say that yet. He's definitely not a bad head coach because of the way he's aggressive. I mean, there are there's data that says, go for it here, go for it here, putting the pressure on the defense, whatever it is. The problem is the process he's using, which many people agree, and I, and I think it's a good process. I think once in a while, you can go away from the numbers, you know, kick a field goal here and there. Remember that that nationally televised game the Chargers were on a couple weeks ago, It's Staley just, or, or, yeah, Staley just keeps going for it over and over and over again. And he's missing, missing, missing. Well, at some point in time, if you give the sample, if you have enough samples there, you're going to see the numbers probably come back to where you think they would be, where it would be beneficial to go for it on fourth and short from wherever it is on the field. But right now it's backfiring. So a guy that didn't have his team prepared in not a must-win game, but just about as important of a regular season game as it gets in week 16, didn't have his team prepared, and the process is fine, but the results are not working. And right now, the golden boy, Brandon Staley, not looking too golden. Um, they also give up 145 yards rushing to Rex Burkhead. Ugh! Uh, this is just the same thing. Like their issues stopping the run crop up from time to time. They were really bad earlier in the season. When Val Joseph came back, they've kind of gone back and forth between good and bad run defense. We know what the ceiling is for this team. Great quarterback, great weapons, good defense against the pass. We know they have a lot of issues too, and that's and not just this year. It's kind of like the Broncos. It's been year after year the same problems plaguing that organization. Uh, they got 10 days. They had 10 days to get ready for Houston. Think about this. 10 days. What a joke to lose that. Raiders, Ravens, Chargers, all eight and seven. Uh, The the Raiders-Chargers game will probably come down to one of those teams making the playoffs if the Chargers end up winning this week, if they end up beating the Broncos. Uh, They're easily the most inconsistent team to bet on. If you've heard me talk about it a million times, I know you have. If you listen to the show, you've heard my guy Keg, the sports Keg. He comes on, tough team to bet on. They're easily the most inconsistent team and the toughest team to bet on. And they're five and a half point favorites against the Broncos in L.A. on Sunday. They've got a 36% chance at the playoffs. And I'm starting to think that the under 45 and a half is the play in this game. The only question is, what do the Broncos do? Do the Broncos show up? Or is it like, all right, we are done. Let's throw in the towel. Because I don't see him scoring 20 points against the Chargers with Drew Locke. I, I just, I'm sorry. I don't see it. Maybe 17 at the most. Maybe I I see this as a 27-17 game with a ceiling. So, you know what? Eh, That total under is looking pretty good to me. And, by the way, it's now 12-3 to the under for the Broncos. 36% chance at the playoffs for the Chargers, according to 538. All right, let's go to the Raiders here for a second, who have no business being in this. You know, most teams would have just completely folded after the Gruden resignation. Then after the Henry Ruggs accident. Then David uh, Damon Arnett's release. Uh, they haven't had Darren Waller for over a month. They've still played some good football. I mean, was yesterday good football? I guess it was enough. Their run defense was elite. Uh, they turned the ball over three times, but... They did enough to just quell the Broncos' offense. Here's my issue with the Raiders. I don't think they make the playoffs. They've got a 17% chance. The Raiders have been held to 20 or less points in four straight games. So what does that tell you? Huh? What does that tell you? First of all, I'm going to go back and say, why the hell didn't I bet the under in that game? Okay? Because I was thinking, what? The Raiders could get going? Because Drew Locke could run this. I mean, that is just a gross oversight. And it's a lesson that I learned. And I think it's great learning lessons. But let's start looking at the Raiders unders too. Because they built 20 points or less in four straight games. That's an anemic offense. Colts and Chargers up next. Does anybody really see him beating the Colts? So we'll see if that's an important game in week 18. I hope it is. Because important football is fun football. Uh, we've got the Chiefs. Let's go to the Chiefs here. They are now the favorites to win the Super Bowl at plus 400. They've been the favorites. Green Bay right behind them at plus 450 and Tampa Bay plus 650. I mean, you, you want me to put a bet down, it would be going back to Tampa Bay. But, boy, are the Chiefs playing well. Remember when they had three and four and everybody's burying them? They got figured out. Well, they bounce back. You know, Green Bay is a good team, too. My favorite bet this offseason, well, besides for Stafford going to the Rams, Packers' most regular season wins, plus 3,500. So 35 to 1 I'll be getting. And that's if they have the most regular season wins. And that was right after report that Rodgers was going to come back. Books didn't adjust to it, and we got him there. Okay, anyways. Chiefs plus 170 to win the AFC. I'm comfortable with that, aren't you? Like, you're getting plus... You probably could have gotten a, a lot... Well, you could have gotten a lot better a few weeks ago, 170? Man, they look good. They look really good. And that's a bet I don't mind. Chiefs plus 170 to win the AFC. They've got to go through the gauntlet. They're going to have the Titans. Maybe Derrick Henry comes back. The Bills will be there, but... That's a bet I'm writing down and I'll dig into as the week goes on. Uh, Some other things about the Chiefs that you got to like right now if you're a Chiefs fan. If you don't like the Chiefs, this is not good, okay? Not good at all. Mahomes is now more patient, and he's limiting the mistakes. Now, early in the season, he had like 11 interceptions in the first four or five games. A lot of those interceptions were going off his receivers and just bouncing into the, the defensive players. But they've taken a deep breath. And this offense now, instead of getting the big play, has adjusted. And I really applaud Andy Reid for this and the whole coaching staff, the enemy and the players and Mahomes. What have they done? They have said, all right, if they're going to take everything away from us, we'll just dink and dunk and we'll beat them that way. And they're good enough to do that. It took them a few weeks to, to realize it, to get patient. And unfortunately, the Chiefs are awesome right now. Uh, they won without Kelsey yesterday. They've got other pieces of their offense stepping up. It really is amazing. Byron Pringle, Nicole Hardman, um, Derek Gore. It, it's its just crazy to me. Kelsey's gone, and they still go out there and take care of business offensively. Um, concern, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire banged up again. The run game might be the issue that catches up to them in the playoffs, unless Damian Williams can get going again. Um Or Daryl Williams, excuse me. There's a Damian, there's a Daryl. Whichever Williams they got. There's one with the Bears and one with the Chiefs. And I watch every freaking game. I should know it by now. But I just get confused as to which one. Um, So lastly, so the the running game is a little bit of an issue. But lastly, Chris Jones, his return has just completely changed this defense again. They are a top five unit in the NFL. I, I think we have to admit that now. They were one of the worst defenses I've ever seen in the National Football League first half of the season. And I'm not kidding. And the numbers back it up. But they've started to get defensive line pressure. They are wrecking opponents by putting pressure on the opposing quarterback. They forced three more takeaways in their win yesterday. Uh, The Chiefs, things are looking up, up, up for them. All right, that's the AFC West report. Let's wrap this thing up. With the Peter King report here, it's not really a report. Like, reporting is things that are facts. When you report something, you're reporting facts. Peter King apparently was just laying around thinking about Aaron Rodgers' trades. And I'm going to read you from Monday Morning Quarterback, okay? Or whatever the heck he calls it these days. I have no idea what Aaron Rodgers thinks deep down inside, but if it turns out he wants to leave after this season, this might be a Rodgers idea for a deal after the season. Say Denver loses three of four to finish eight and nine. Vic Fangio could be replaced with Green Bay offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Let's talk about that for a second. I don't even think that Fangio has to lose three of four at this point. He probably will. But, you know, even if they were to finish nine and eight and win these last two games, we know who Vic Fangio is. He's a great defensive coordinator that doesn't have head coaching prowess. Okay, so fine. Nathaniel Hackett. He's done a fine job with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Seems like they got a good relationship. Great. Check mark. There we go. So it seems like the number one thing P- Peter King was talking about. Well, it's if they fire Fangio. It's it's when they fire Fangio. Uh number two, and if they don't fire Fangio, forget about it. <laughs> Boy, Peyton is putting his job on the line. Um, it, it could be a very short tenure for him here. Uh Denver. We'll have a ton of cap space. Peter King says $49 million. And then they could reach a long-term agreement with Devontae Adams. What? I mean, this would be like cataclysmic. This would change the balance of power in the National Football League. Seriously. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams to Denver with that running game and that defense? I mean, the Chiefs would have to be afraid or at least concerned. They've won six straight division titles. You get Rodgers and Adams here. You know, what's the concern? Aaron Rodgers is older. The skills will start decreasing sooner than later. Uh, He's been hurt a ton in his career. Now he's playing with a broken toe. But, you know, what are the other options? This would be a great option. So... Here's what he also says, Peter King. They could trade their first and fourth rounders and a first rounder in 2023 plus Jerry Judy for Rodgers. All right, so think about this. They're giving up this year's first and this year's fourth. To to get Aaron Rodgers, even without Devontae Adams, totally worth it. So you'd be giving up two firsts and a fourth plus Jerry Judy for Aaron Rodgers. Talk about Jerry Judy for a second. I'm a Jerry Judy fan, okay? He had the drop issues year one, injured this year injured again, comes back. Uh, Poor quarterback play. Poor quarterback play. He He just dropped a pass for the first time this year after having 10 last year, those issues last year. He's an elite talent, runs very good routes. Maybe he could improve that around the first down marker. Fast, agile. I think any team would be happy to have Jerry Judy. Can he be a number one on a team? I think that's up for debate right now, but it's only his second season. And If you're thinking Jerry Judy's a bust, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Okay, lastly, okay, the deal would leave Denver with no first or fourth round pick next year, but two picks in the second and third rounds. Well, that's something to think about. So you would have no first and fourth, but you'd have two seconds and two thirds. Hmm. Hmm. So you'd have Devontae Adams, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. That's a pretty good one. That's, I mean, if that's not the best one, two, three, it's right there. I mean, the, the Rams have Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Robert Woods, Odell Beckham. I put the Rams ahead of them, but this is going to be just about as good as it gets. And though that skill position, those those skill with with Williams, Devontae Rogers, Sutton, Patrick, I put those weapons right up there against the Chiefs. I, I would, I would. So, if Rogers stays another year. He'll be a free agent. The Packers will get nothing, maybe a third-round pick. Uh, so maybe this is the time for Aaron Rodgers to either sign a long-term deal in Green Bay and let things just play out, and maybe he's getting along with the GM Gutner stuff there, or he really is done, and you'd get him for 2022 in his age 39 season, his age 40 season, and his age 41 season. A lot of similarities between bringing Peyton Manning over here. A lot of differences. Obviously, you know, Aaron Rodgers is not coming off a massive surgery. Great quarterback, though. Great quarterback. You'd have to give up more to get Rodgers than you did with Peyton Manning. But that would change this franchise around. And you want to know something? I bet you that they would be probably in the AFC Championship game or at least in the mix, even with Vic Fangio as the head coach, if Aaron Rodgers came here with Devontae Adams. Could be a pipe dream, could be real. So here's what's coming up the rest of the week. I want you first of all, have a wonderful new year. Um, Tyler Hicks, Run Pure Bets. He's gonna talk to us about betting NFL props, NBA props, and live betting. It's gonna be a good tutorial. Uh, You'll hear from Spread Astaire, betting on the NBA and tennis. And you'll hear a little bit from my buddy, Dave Sherapan, the sports consigliere, or sports book consigliere. Great guy. He'll give you some ways to win bets, some good strategies. So a lot of strategy sessions coming up from here on out this week. Thank you very much to Stephen Young in the background. Thanks to Wes Reynolds from Veasan for hopping on. I'm Holden Kushner. Happy New Year, healthy, happy, safe one. And thanks for listening and subscribing to the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers.